good was that, everyone? It's, that was a great representation of kids' ministry, the beautiful chaos that is children's ministry. I just want to echo what Robin said there. Give it up. Robin is actually pregnant, too. Leading that, jumping up and down, so good. Hey, you know what's what's great about all of these opportunities? And I just want to say, you know, with, with restriction numbers right now, before COVID, we had four times that many kids on an average Sunday. Yes, wow. And so what we need is a bunch of parents and a bunch of adults who actually love these kids. And we're going to invest into their lives. And I would say moms, so, super easy for moms, but do, is there any dads in the house? There's a lot, of, a lot of young men here on the stage that need to see some adult men who love Jesus enough to teach them about their faith. Can I get an amen? All right. So moms and dads, it would be great for you to register to be part of our city team uh, so we can go back to two services. That would be amazing. I don't know how to follow that, actually. It was just so good. We should just done that for the rest of the service. Celebrate with the kids. Hey, at list last Monday, we hosted an event here. Um, for pastors and church leaders, and we actually had about 150 people in attendance, including everybody who served and attended. And it was just a great day to invest into church leaders. And as we say, when we invest into church leaders and other churches, we bless those cities. So everybody that came um, this past Monday was just truly encouraged and blessed by your generosity, by us as a team investing into them. So thank you so much for those of you that came to serve. And it's, just, it's an exciting thing for us to do as a church, to be a blessing to other churches. Just a couple other uh, reminders for parents since we had all of the kids up here. This check-in process right now is a little bit slower than normal. So just come early. When you come early uh, for the 9 a.m. service, I know it's the 9 a.m. service already, but if you come earlier, it'll make everything go faster and smoother and give yourself that little extra buffer time uh, to get the kids registered. Um, And then, again, this Wednesday, if you are part of our city team, are you considering being a part of our city team? Or if you used to be part of our city team and you're not sure if you want to jump back in, come on and jump back in this Wednesday. It's just going to be a great night starting at 7 p.m. And we will, uh, one, of, one of our core values here is all about serving that. We serve each other, we serve the city, so you can jump into that this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, just one real quick, something I just want to deal with, you know, an organization like ours at this moment in time could actually um, opt in to um, doing the, va- the vaccine passport program, and my answer to that question is this from Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. It says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. So I feel like everybody is invited to church. Can I get an amen? Everybody is invited to church, so we won't be opting in to the vaccine passport program, just in case you are wondering. And if you have any questions, if you have any questions about that, I am the only one to speak to about it, okay? Don't talk to each other. It'll be a waste of time. Why did he do it? I'm right here. I'm available for conversation. But I answered it already with the scripture. All 
right, we are in week three of a series that we have called Jesus Encounters. Now, how many of you enjoyed Pastor Ben last week uh, ministering to us? So good. Uh, such a great job ministering. If you missed that message last week, uh, Pastor Ben Karuaje uh, visiting with us from Cities Church in Brandon, Manitoba. Great message. It's available online. But we are continuing our series today just talking about Jesus that we, with the scripture, with these amazing uh, four Greco-Roman biographies that we have, eyewitnesses recorded about the ministry of Jesus, what he did, what he said, all of the things that were important to him. And sometimes we have some detail about the people's lives and what they were going through. And just seeing Jesus as their teacher, as their rabbi, as their leader, we should also do the same thing. That by the Holy Spirit, we can actually have an encounter with Jesus today as we read through this story. So this series is all about just reading through, experiencing these Jesus encounters for ourselves and allowing God to teach us and to grow us up. And as we've said every week, you know, we say Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is his designation that he is the Messiah, that he is the anointed one of God. And we, we can see all of his ministry and what he did and what he accomplished in the scripture is very Jesus-centric. All of the Old Testament points to the fact that the Messiah is coming. And there's all types of shadows in the Old Testament about what Jesus is coming. And Jesus is the antitype, or he is the fulfillment of all of those things that we see in the Old Testament. He is the perfection of God. That all of the men and women who were leaders in the Old Testament, they were imperfect, as we all know that they were like us. But Jesus, the perfect sinless Lamb of God, came fulfilled all the prophecies of the Messiah, of the Christ, and showed us how uh, to follow after Jesus, to follow after himself, and to understand about God. So in this series, I want us to see ourselves in this relationship with God, to see ourselves that he is with us, sitting with us, teaching us, showing us things, helping us to understand about God and to understand about life. So a couple scriptures that we've been reading every week. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Long ago, and in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. John 14, verse 8, Philip said to him, Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, Lord, show us the Father. Father, it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? You still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus, the exact imprint of his nature, Jesus telling his disciples, if you see me in action, Seen and heard the things that I said, seen how, how I live in the world, see, seen how I minister to people, then you've seen the Father God. In the Old Testament, God spoke by his prophets, but now he is speaking to us by his Son, the heir of all things, whom he created the world. So Jesus, the pre-existent Son of God, there with God the Father and the Holy Spirit before the world began. And then it said this, that he is the radiance of the glory, the exact imprint of his nature. So in week one of this series, we just talked about this idea that Jesus 
wants us to follow him. Follow him, and I will make you fishers of men. The following of Jesus is so important that we would see him as our Lord and our Savior, and then he wants to make you a person of impact. He wants you to be a person of influence in all of the spheres of life that you touch. God wants you to take his kingdom and be impactful with those principles, with those ways. And then last, two weeks ago, we talked about walking in the light. We, we read the story from John chapter 9 about uh, this man who didn't, couldn't see physically, but then he could also see spiritually, the Pharisees who could not see spiritually. Both of those messages are available on our website. All right, so today we're just going to be talking a little bit uh, about the Word of God and how important the Word of God is and how Jesus emphasized the Word of God and how Jesus was the Word made flesh. Think about that. The, the totality of the Word of God, all of His ways and His principles, showed up in the life of Jesus. The Word of God, the ways of God, and then Jesus lived all of those out. He fulfilled all of the words of God. Now, when we think about words, kind of take it for granted that we are able to speak and talk and convey ideas. But words are driving our lives. Words that we heard and words that we believed and things that we say is just driving us forward. You know, the, the clothes that you wear, somebody said or somebody told us, these look good. The car that we drove, uh, we went and then we got some information and we heard some words or we fell for the sales pitch or we fell for the commercial. Has anyone watched a commercial and they just sucked you in? And the words that they said were perfectly placed for the thing you needed to hear. Anyone ever watch TV when you're hungry and then a food commercial comes on you're thinking, you know what, I need to order that food. And sometimes we think that these ideas and these words came from nowhere, but there's a lot of words flying around in the world. And, and we don't actually know a lot of times what words are driving our lives, but it's very important for us to know what words are driving our lives. A, a couple years ago, um, we discussed in our family of four the idea of purchasing a replacement dog. And for those of you who don't have dogs, let me tell you what the principle of the replacement dog is. How old is our oldest dog, babe? Should be 11. Should be 11 in December. Nicole loves this dog, friends. They are best friends. They have a connection that cannot be described by words. He looks at her, and Nicole knows exactly what she's thinking. Maybe. So the discussion is... We don't want to talk about it, but the reality is dogs don't live forever. Have you heard this news? Gotta Nicole might cry at this moment. Dogs don't live forever, so we considered getting a replacement dog. So there was a lot of words spoken. Dad. Private words. Dad, mom's not gonna be handled, be able to handle it when Lulu dies, but we don't want to talk about it. So get a replacement dog, you are agreeing to walk this dog extra, right? Yes, Dad, we'll, we'll take care of the dog. Didn't we take care of the first dog? No, you didn't. You didn't actually take care of the first dog. Now I'm going to give you an excuse. You were nine when we got her, so maybe you have an excuse. Now you're 20, 
Yeah, but I'll take care of it, no problem. We'll do it. Now they both left home, okay? There is nobody taking care of these dogs except me and Nicole. Those words drove us to a small town north of Stony Creek to drive up to a farm and meet a stranger and to spend a thousand stupid dollars on another dog. don't even want. Words are driving our lives. Words, what are they? They are thought containers. And the thoughts that we should be allowing into our lives and driving our lives forward, we should want to know where they come from. What is the source? What is the motivation? Who is pushing these ideas to me? Because if I'm going to live by these ideas, I should actually know where they come from. I should know if this is a good source. If this is a good source. Jesus, the Word, made flesh. Jesus, the Word of God. Scripture says that that the, the, the Word of God is like a foundation for all of us. That all of creation happened because of the Word of God. And then there was chaos at the original creation, and then God created order out of the chaos with His words. And that's what we want in our lives. We, we want those good, godly words to bring order to our lives. But again, it's so easy for us to choose the wrong words and have the wrong words push us in the wrong direction because the source from which we got those words was not the best source. But having our words and having our lives influenced by Jesus, we will never be sorry. It will never turn back to bite us. John chapter 6. Some words here that Jesus speaks to his disciples. And this whole portion of scripture that we're going to read here that Jesus wants us to obey his words. And how are we going to show that we love God? Jesus said, well, you're going to obey my words. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Jesus says a lot of things to us, and his word tells us about life. That Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus says some things here to his disciples. John 6, verse 6, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he, was, that he was doing on the sick. In other words, he was healing the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Verse 6, listen. He said this to him to test him. 
I'm going to read you a verse here in a second. That God is not testing us with evil. God doesn't have any evil to test you with. But what God does test us with is obedience. Will we obey what he says? Now, Jesus is asking the question to his disciples, not because he doesn't know the answer. But he wants them to think through some things. He wants them to get to the right conclusion. Where are we to buy bread so that these people need? He said this to test him, for he himself knew that he, for he himself knew what he would do. He already knew what he was going to do, but he wanted to train up the disciples. Verse 7, Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little amount. Sometimes when we say uh, dollar amounts in the scripture, it's hard for us to compare. But in other stories, we know that some people would get paid one denarii a day or one penny a day. So 200 is around two-thirds of a yearly salary. So it's a decent amount of money they talked about spending to pay to feed these people. But then he said this, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So there's Philip's words. Those are his thought containers. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So what do we have here from these two disciples? We have no solutions. We could do this, but no, it's not going to work out. And we could spend this amount of money, yeah, but it's not enough. Their thought containers were ultimately empty. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the man sat down, about 5,000 in number. So Jesus took the loaves, another one, again here, 5,000 is just numbering the men. So there was women and children, so this is a really, really big crowd. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And they had eaten their fill. He told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that they had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. So many great thoughts in here. But... So we have the, the two disciples who didn't know the answer, but Jesus knew what he was going to do. And he, and he took that what was seemingly not enough, and in his hands it became more than enough. And so that's just a good principle for us. Sometimes we think, well, I don't know if I want to serve, and I don't know this, and I don't know if I know enough about the scripture to teach the kids, and I don't know this, but if you put your time in God's hands, God will use your time to bless children. And ultimately, what was Jesus looking for here from his disciples? What he was looking for is that they would trust him. That they would put their trust in him. That they would put their trust in God in this moment. That they didn't actually have a solution. They didn't know what to do. So instead of looking to some other source... Like, well, we could spend money on here, we could do this, and, you know, we could do, you know, we got this, but it's not enough. 
was Jesus wanting them to do. Jesus was wanting them to look to him to be the source. Because Jesus ultimately in this moment was the source. He is the one that blessed the food so that the miracle took place. I just want to read you these verses just to tell you again. See, God is always testing us with obedience. He's not testing us with evil. He's asking us to do stuff. James chapter 1, verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Now this word tempt also means test. But each person, when he is tempted, he is lured and enticed away by his own desires, and when the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully growth, it brings forth death. So God is not tempting us. God is not testing us with evil things in our lives. But what he is testing with us, us, us with, is obedience. Giving us his word. Giving us his ways. His thought containers. Will we choose them? Or will we be like the disciples? We do this, but yeah, nothing. That we can have this, but this is not enough. Not actually looking to God to obey what he says or to put our trust in him in a moment of confusion, in a moment of I don't know what to do, that we would pause and we would slow down and we would remember, oh, I'm not going to put my trust in God in this moment. I'm not going to dive into some other words. I want to dive into the word of God. I want to put my trust in what God says. What does God say about my situation? What does God say about the thing that I should do next? What does God say about my marriage? What does God say about me raising my children? What does God say about my finances? Those are the words that I'm going to put my faith in. See, the question is for a lot of us, what words are we accessing? What words are we grabbing onto in the moment of that we don't know what to do? Have you ever stood with your fridge door open because you're kind of hungry or you're thirsty or you're not sure which. And so you open it up and there's like bottled water and a Coke. Or there's some, this extremes. There's broccoli in there or there's chocolate ice cream. <laughs> These are the temptations of life. What words will we access in the moment that we don't know what to do? And a lot of times we just grab onto the wrong words. See, the enemy is presenting words to us. Telling us things. We can choose those words. Or we can choose the word of God. So instead of reaching in for the frustration... I'm going to reach out for faith. Because we could just be frustrated. We could just grab onto frustration. And we could talk about our frustration. And we can post about our frustration. But instead of reaching out for words of frustration, let's reach out to words for words of faith. Instead of reaching out for pessimism, and I don't know what to do, and this is way too hard, and I could reach out for faith. Instead of again reaching out for I don't know, 
I'm going to reach out for the wisdom of God. God gives to me liberally his wisdom. Instead of reaching for complaints. Does anyone like to complain? Come on. It's easy sometimes. It's just the easy way out. What if instead of that, we just reached out and grabbed onto some words of faith, some words of trust in God? So God wants us to obey his words. God wants us to choose his word. God wants us to choose his thought containers. Jesus wanted his, what are we going to do here, guys? What's a good response? Well, Jesus, we don't actually know what to do, but we know you know. So I'm going to put my trust in you. I choose your words. I choose, I choose what you say, that we would be obedient, that we would pass the test of obedience. Because God is always offering his words to us. Let's be wise to choose them. Let's not choose something that comes from a bad source or from a bad place or from a bad person or from a disgruntled person or from an angry person. But we would choose the words of God. What is God saying to us? Another thing God wants us to do with his word is that he wants us to stand on his word. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately he made his disciples get in to the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was very long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Verse 25, and it was the fourth hour of the night, and he came to them walking on the sea. The disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. This is a good way to live our lives. And I've been saying this for the past 18 months. We should not be living our lives afraid. We should live wise. We can't live afraid. Living afraid means you're living in reverse. Living afraid means you're not putting your trust in God. You don't want to live afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What was Peter actually walking on? We just, you know, we're saying here that he's walking on water, but Jesus said, Come. And then he stepped out in faith on that moment, on the word of God. The scripture says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance, that word substance also means ground 
or confidence. So when we're stepping out in faith, we're not stepping out in nothing. We're stepping out in faith on the Word of God, something that God has spoken to me. And so when Peter stepped out, he wasn't stepping out on the water. He was stepping out on the Word of Jesus that said, come. Stepping out on the Word of God. That I would stand on the Word of God. That I would base my life on the Word of God. Not the shifting sands of culture. The the shifting sands of culture, you are going to sink. But the Word of God is a rock. So that's what is happening. When I'm living by faith in God, I'm standing on what he said. God, what did you say to me about this area of my life? That is what I'm, that's, I'm having faith in your words. Again, what if we choose the words of the culture? The ways of the culture. And we step out on that, and we stand on that, and we repeat those things. No, the, the, the words that we're living our lives on, that we're predicating our family on, are the words of God. We're going to stand on the word of God. Lord, what, what are you saying to me? What are the things that you're speaking to me, Lord? What are the things that you are teaching me? And that sometimes we don't understand it. Loving your enemies. It's just really easier to hate them. And be angry at them. And call them out. But Lord, this is what you say life is about. There's another story where Jesus talked to his disciples. They were fishermen and they had been fishing all night and didn't catch anything. And Jesus said, put out your net. They said, Lord, we've been toiling all night. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. That's the way we need to live our lives. Nevertheless, based on what you say, I will do what you say. I will live my life on what you say, and that will be the ground that I stand on to live my life. Last to believe, especially as followers of Jesus, that Jesus has the words we need. Because he is the word, the word of God made flesh. John chapter 6, verse 47, one of Jesus' hard sermons, one of his difficult sermons that people didn't understand. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes me has eternal life, and I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that the one may eat of it and not die. So the manna, the physical bread that came down for the children of Israel, and then Jesus here as the bread of life. And he says this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give 
for the life of the word is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is the true food, and my blood is the true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. This sounds a little gross, right? As the living Father has sent me, I live because of the Father who feeds on me. He also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread of the Father's ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Verse 16, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And this is the way the word of God is. But the word of God is contrary to culture. And so it sounds like a hard saying, but there's actually life in it. A lot of times we just can't see it. And this is what's happening here with these disciples. They're like, uh, we don't get it, Jesus. We don't understand what you're saying. And in fact, this is really hard. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Who is he asking? His disciples. Are we offended at the words of Jesus? Verse 62. What if then you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and our life. So what was Jesus talking about when he was saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood? He said, it is the spirit that gives life. So I'm taking to myself the life of Jesus, his words, his ways. I would eat them. I would take them in. I would have them nourish my life. Jesus, the whole time, was giving them the metaphor, and they were like, Jesus, I don't want to take a bite out of your arm. This is gross. Jesus is like, it's not the flesh. It's the words that I'm saying. Taking in the words. But he asked them the question, does this, does this offend you? There were some of you who do not believe. Verse 64. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who were and who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So Jesus in the flesh was offering his words to people. Some believed and some didn't. We have the same choice. Verse 65. And he said, This is why I told you. That no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. Verse 66. Verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Think about that. Jesus in the flesh. The word of God manifest. And they're like, yeah, I'm 
offended by what you're saying, Jesus. I'm going to leave you. Verse 67, so Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not changing my words for you because they make you uncomfortable. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And it is the Jesus followers who need to take the words of Jesus seriously. It is us that we would take them to ourselves, that we would have them nourish our lives, that we would stand on them, that we would obey them. Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, the enemy was saying things to him and trying to tempt him about his life in Matthew chapter 4. Verse 4 says, This man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Comparing physical food that sustains us for our physical lives. What should be the words that sustain us for our spiritual lives, for our motivational life? What is motivating me right now? What is influencing my decisions? Am I just taking in the bread from the world? Or do I esteem the word of God? Because in it is life, life eternal, life everlasting. The abundant life that Jesus came that we would live. Do we esteem it? Do we care about it? Do we want to obey it? Do we want to stand on it? Jesus Jesus offers it to us. It's available to us. Aren't you thankful for the word of God today? The living, breathing word of God. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you today for Jesus. God, we thank you for your love. God, we take a moment again to in our hearts and our minds esteem your word. God, forgive us for the times that we've taken everybody else's word but yours. And what we're moving towards is just the words of our flesh, the words of our desires. God, we desire what you desire for us. God, we choose to obey your word, your ways. God, we put our confidence in you, our faith in you. We feed ourselves, Lord, on the words of your spirit. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you're in the room today or you're watching us online there, Jesus talked about that his words give us eternal life. And eternal life is not just 
a length of time that is that, but it's also in, including the sort of quality of life. And the quality of life that God wants us to have for now, for this moment, and for eternity is a relationship with himself. This is what eternal life is, knowing God, knowing Jesus, having a relationship with him. And the question is, how is it that we have a relationship with God? Is it because we're perfect and we never made a mistake and because we're so good that we can have a relationship with God? No, that's not the answer. And it's a waste of time for us to create some sort of religion and try to climb up the mountain to God with our own religion, our own ways, and our own ceremonies. So the story of the scripture is that God has come down off of the mountain, that God has come down from heaven and Jesus lived a sinless life, completed the word of God. And when he died on the cross, he took all of our sins, all of the stuff that separated us from God. And then he just offers us a gift of eternal life. Righteousness. Righteousness just means right standing with God. And all we have to do to have this relationship with God is to say yes. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in a moment if you've never done this here in the room online so that you can say yes to Jesus. And this prayer is just a starting point. Our lifetime of following Jesus is a lifetime journey of knowing him more and more, moving closer to him every day. But you need to have this moment before you have the journey. So church, let's all pray this out loud together. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's pray this out loud to help those around us. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. That he died on the cross. And you raised him from the dead. So I could know you. So I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. And I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's congratulate those that did that today. Hey, if you are in the room and you did that for the very first time, we congratulate you. But we also have some materials that we would love to put into your hand that will help you on your journey of faith. If you just head out to the lobby, there's a desk out there. It says info on the front of it. One of our team members will be happy to give you some of those materials. If you are watching us online, we would love to get those same materials into your hand. If you just email us at info at the citychurch.ca, we will send you those materials. Thank you all for coming to church today. I don't know about you, but the highlight of the morning was watching the kids on the stage. So great. Remember, team night this Wednesday. If you're part of the team or you want to be part of the team, we will see you Wednesday at 7 p.m. Have a great week. You are dismissed.